Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. I am very excited about this series, and I hope you are too. I'm ready to, to dive in and, and uncover some truths uh, about marriage, and not just, uh, not just what we believe, but what the Word of God says about marriage. Amen. Um, and I'm very excited uh, that we get to dive into the Word. And I think I'm most excited, though, that my wife is joining me, right? That, that my wife is on the stage with me today. Um, when, we, when, we, we, when we were here for the first 10 or 11 years, no one had an idea that I was even married. They didn't have a clue. She would be in this building, and I would be at the one up on the hill. Or if I was in this building, then she would be at the one up on the hill. We were never in the same place at this church at the same time. And so people didn't know she was married. People didn't know I was married. But I am. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that y'all get to meet her and, and do this today. Uh, so as we get ready to step into this new series and, and, and uh, begin this new um, journey together, how many of you guys are in the mood for a corny illustration this morning? <laughs> Anybody in the mood for a corny illustration this morning? Well, I sure hope so, because there are, there, uh, there are five different types of people as it pertains to marriage that are in this room or either watching online today, five types of people, and we're going to talk about all five types here for just a second. The first type of person that we have in the room or watching online are those people that are looking to get married, Right? <laughs> They're wide-eyed. They are excited and are looking to get married. Now, I've never been a girl, but I've heard that uh, even at a young age, girls start planning their wedding. Like, they start figuring things out and, and kind of putting stuff together. And, and as they get into college, those things begin to narrow down to what they really, really want. And then, and then if they start dating somebody, they're always like, oh, is this the guy or is this the one? But they're always looking to get married. They're all just like, wow, I'm ready, I'm ready. You're really not, but you think you are. And it's like, I want to get married. So the first type of people that's in the room are those that are actually looking to get married. That's the first type. The second type of people that we have in the room are those people that have actually, let's see if I can do this one-handed again. Didn't take this long first service. That have actually tied the knot, right? You're in this room and you have been married. Whether it's been days, whether it's been weeks, whether it's been months, whether it's been years, or whether it's been decades, you're in this room or you're watching online and you are already married and you're in the middle of that marriage. And that's, that's, the, that's the second group of people that is in this room. The third group of people that is in this room are being people. You have been married, and you are looking to get married again, okay? You have been married, and for whatever reason, you're not married currently, but you are looking to get married 
again. So that's the third type of people are you being people that are in the room. The, uh, the fourth type of people are your mixed nuts. The, these are the people that says, I've been married, and if you think I'm ever doing that again, you're nuts, right? You are absolutely nuts. And, and I often say, if I outlive Erica, this will be me, because I'm not doing this again, right? I'm, I am one and done. This is a lot of work and a lot of, we'll just say work, uh, that you have to go through. So if there's people in here that's been married and they say, look, if you think I'm doing that again, well, you're nuts. So, so that's that. And then there's this last group. And you guys may be the smartiest people in the room. That's these people who said, I have never been married, and I ain't ever going to get married, right? So you may actually be the smartiest people in the room. So we have, we have five different people uh, sitting in the room. And, and so the way that you take this series, um, if, if you are actually looking to get married, then this is a great time for you to kind of set up some standards, to kind of build in some things that say, look, I'm planning my wedding day. I'm planning colors and, and flowers and all this kind of stuff. But I also want to know what my wedding or what my marriage is going to look like. So take this month, take some notes this month and kind of store those away and all your other planning idea, uh, marriage ideas or wedding ideas and say, this is what I want my marriage to look like. If, if you are in the middle of your marriage, if you've tied the knot and you're married right now, then this is a great moment to kind of maybe have a relaunch or a restart. Take some information, take some notes down that you're going to hear this month and, and kind of begin to um, apply those to your marriage that you're here. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of fundamental things that, that we kind of overlook because we get, we get caught up in life and we get caught up in work, and we get caught up in kids and all that, it's a great time to kind of pull back and say, okay, see if we can implement some things and kind of have a restart or a relaunch. Um, if you are a being person in here, and you've been married, and you're looking to do that again, then this is a great time to kind of set that standard that says, for my next marriage, this is what I want it to look like. These are the fundamental, foundational things that I need to have in my marriage if you are in the mixed nuts group, or if you're one of the smartiest people on the planet, then I encourage you to take this series and be a mentor. You are surrounded by people that are in one of the other groups. There's people surrounding you that are looking to get married. There's people that are married that surround you. There's people that have been married and are doing it again, want to try it again. So take this information that you'll learn this month and just be a mentor to somebody. So there's a lot of applications, no matter which of the five groups that you fall into, that, that you, can, you can take this and, and apply this. Uh, pastor, last week in his message, said something that I was running the live stream, and it kind of hit me. I'm like, I do the same thing. He, he mentioned, I can't remember if it was on his front porch, back porch, but anyway, he was doing his sermon, and he said he saw the sun coming up. Y'all remember that? And he said, I just love new beginnings. Right? I just love new beginnings. And I thought to myself, you know what? I do too. I do too. I love new beginnings. When we start a new ministry here at Covenant or when we start a new process or something like that, I love that new beginning. Uh, I love to see it come to uh, full term at the end. And that's awesome. I love that too. The, the stuff in the middle is hard work. So, you know, not so much. But 
the, the beginning is always awesome and it's always fun and it's always fresh. And, and I just love that. And so as, as, as we begin to do this series today, the title of this message is called New Beginnings. New Beginnings. It's a great place, no matter where you fall, to just kind of have a new beginning and to kind of go from there. Um, I should have brought my water up here. Uh, as we kind of get into this, to this series, there's some things that, that you and I have to establish are truth. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the documentary, The Social Dilemma. If you haven't, I encourage you to watch it. If you have Netflix, if you don't have Netflix, don't get Netflix. But if you do have it, then I encourage you to go watch it. But it's a, it's a documentary called The Social Dilemma, and we watched it in student ministries as a group, and we had an open discussion. But at the end of that documentary, oh, bless you, Pastor. Um, at the end of that documentary, the guy that was kind of leading the charge, he gets to talk about how we all have our own truth, right? Have you, you, guys, you guys heard that, right? You know, you speak your truth, I'll speak my truth. You live your truth, I'll live my truth. But he said, at some level... We have to have a universal truth. We have to have a truth that kind of covers us all. Um, and, if, and if there's no way for us to agree what is true for everybody, then as a society, there's really no way for us to move forward. We've got to have those truths. And it's the same way with us uh, in the church. There's got to be things that, yes, the Word of God is seasonal, right? It applies different things at different times in our own lives. But the Word of God is also has universal truths in it that apply no matter what stage of life you're in, and it applies to everybody, no matter who you are. So as we begin this series, there's some universal truths that we need to establish. Uh, the, the, the first truth is that I want to ask you is, do you guys believe that the Bible is true? Do y'all believe that? That's something that we've got to establish as, as disciples of Jesus. We have got to decide, is the Bible really true? And if we decide as a group that the Bible is universally true to all of us, then the words inside the Bible that apply to marriage have to be true, right? So whatever the Bible says about marriage, whether we agree with it, whether we like it, whether we whatever, it's true. Because universally, the Bible is true, right? So if, if, that's, if that's the truth... I want to share a scripture with you. It's a scripture that we sometimes don't equate with marriage. And I love that. But it's okay because it does absolutely apply. And it's found in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And it says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if you will, just leave that up for a second. How this applies to marriage is found in the first two sentences. My old self has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The, the, the universal truth, if you are a child of God, and in and, and this scripture we see the universal truth is this, this blank, no matter what you want to fill in the blank with, is not centered around you, but around them. This blank, whatever you put the fill in the blank with, whatever you want to, is not centered around you, 
It's centered around them. How do we know this? The, the verse we just read, it says it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. See, when you become a child of God, there's got to be a value system swap that happens. Before you meet Jesus, the value systems of this world say that you are the king of your castle. You are the center of your universe. You are the ruler of your domain, and that's what this world tells you. But, but when we begin to, to be a disciple of Jesus, we have to exchange that value system with the one that he sets up, the one that he establishes, and the one that he established says that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So whatever blank is, is not centered around you. It's about them. It's an exchange of values. This marriage that you're in is not centered around you. It's centered around your spouse. This parenting that you're doing is not centered around you. It's about your kids. This job you have is not centered around you. It's about your coworkers. It's about your boss. It's about the people that you work with. This trip to the grocery store today is not about you. It's not centered around you. It's about the people you'll run into. It's about the cashier that you'll meet today. It's about all of that. When you go out to eat today after church, the restaurant you choose is not centered around you. It's about them. It's about the cook who's preparing your food. It's about the waitress that you're going to meet today. It's about them. And that's the value system that has to be exchanged if we are to be true disciples of Jesus. Now, this country, that the United States of America, was founded on those value systems. It's in the Constitution, and yes, I said it right today, because I didn't say it right in the first service. But the Constitution was founded on the value systems that are found in the Word. They, if you read the Constitution all through it, it's about we, not about me. That's in the Constitution, and, and that's what our country was founded on. But for the for, the, for this nation to be successful, that means that the church has to be successful because that's what this nation was founded on. The big C church has to be successful if this nation is going to be successful. And if the church, the big C, is going to be successful, then the families inside of that church have to be successful. For the church to be successful, the families have to be successful. For the families to be successful, the marriages inside of those families have to be successful. They do. It is, it is the rock of a family. That marriage is the rock. So for that family to be successful, the marriage has to be successful. And for that marriage to succeed, the two individuals inside that marriage have to be successful. And the only way for you and I as, as believers of Jesus to be successful is to exchange that value system to where it's no longer about you. This, this is nothing to do centered around you, but it's about other people. It's the only way. I want to read a scripture, uh, another scripture to you that, that, um, <coughs> that we do uh, often associate with marriage, and that's Genesis chapter 1, um, verses 27 through 28. And I want you to, I know you've probably heard this before, but I want you to pay attention to the words. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. God created human beings in his own image. 
He created us and designed us with a different value system than this world has. We are, we are created in his image and in his likeness. We are to exemplify the value system that he has. And that core value system says this blank is not centered around you, but it's about others. Uh, in the image of God, and I love it because he didn't just stop there. He, in the image of God, he created them male and female. So he's telling us, look, I created both of you in my image. And so both of you at the core of your being has to be about the other person. That's who Jesus was. That's who God is. Then he, God, blessed them and, and said, be, be, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Um, the, next, the next verse that I want to read is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. And this is that verse where God had created Adam, put him in the garden, and he had all these animals. He named all the animals, and he did all that fun stuff, and there was nothing suitable for him, and so God put him to sleep, took out a rib. Y'all know the story, right? And created woman. And so this is him waking up for the first time and seeing Eve. And the Bible says, he said, at last. But can we be real? I meant seriously, if, you, if you're Adam, man, and you wake up and you see Eve for the first time, where no fig leaves have been sown yet, is your words going to be at last? I think we're going to say something a little different than at last, right? There's going to be some, I think the Bible's kind of censoring what, what uh, Adam actually said, because I can imagine, no, no, we won't go there, but... but he said, at last, the man exclaimed, this one, <laughs> this one right here, <laughs> this one is bone of my bone. <laughs> and, I mean, that, that, that line sure is pretty, but this one, <laughs> that, you know, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This is, I shall call her woman. Man, because she's awesome because she, she was taken out of man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and joined to his wife, and the two were united at one in one. And, and, and if we read that, that last part where it says, and this is why a man leaves his mom and dad and gets united as one, if we read that just at surface level, we begin to see this pretty easy sometimes just for a, a woman and a man to kind of just get together. And, and, and all that, but, but it's actually a whole lot deeper than that because it's more than just a, a man and a woman getting together to become one. It's, it's her history and my history coming together to be one. It's, it's her family and my family coming together to be one. It's her thoughts about marriage and my thoughts about marriage trying to come together to be one, it's about the way that she spends money or the way I spend money or what's important to us merging together as one. And it, and it makes it really difficult if I sit here and say, this is, this is the way I've always done it, this is the way I'm always going to do it, and you just got to change. It makes the marriage hard. That's 99% of the problems right out of the gate for marriages because we don't have this core value in us that says this blank is not about me. And it's not centered around me, but it's about her. And if we were to walk into a marriage with all this history, 
with all these different philosophies, with all these different families and all these different ideas and say, look, I understand what my family is and what my history is and what my issues are and how I think and how I make decisions and how I argue and, and all that kind of stuff. But this is not about me. This is about her. And if she says the exact same thing and says, I got it, I understand all my stuff, but this isn't about me. This is about him. Can you see how the connection and how the unity comes more quickly when we become centered around the value systems that God has rather than the systems of this world? If we come together so much easier. Now, my wife and I have been married, and I know she's just sitting up here looking pretty, but she's about to talk. <laughs> my wife and I have been married for 25 years. Uh, this past January was 25 years. Yep, I think that's awesome. But wait, there's more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we, we like to say we've, we've, we've been married 25 years. 23 of them have been good. Two have been awful. And uh, years one and years five for us almost destroyed our marriage. And I'm going to let her talk about year one of our marriage. Um, year one, I did not do so good on the meshing with your husband and leaving your father and mother. Um, my parents had been divorced a couple of years before we got married, so it was just me, my mom, and sister that lived together at home, um, and I had a hard time leaving her. Um, I cried in the middle of Western Sizzling one night with my mom that I missed her, and she was like, what, what? And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I love him, I guess. But, uh, but, you know, I had to work through that, and it was hard to leave them and leave my family because we're very close, my family is, uh, and him sometimes not so much. And it was hard to leave and just be with him and mesh our ideas, mesh our dreams, mesh our thoughts and lives together. That's right. Um, there, there were, in that initial stage, um, in, in my family, like every family, we have issues, but the way that I dealt with it in my family was I just shut down. She wanted to talk about everything. I didn't want to talk about nothing. And so that made marriage really difficult in the beginning because I would just shut down. And she's like, you got to talk to me. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you, right? Or, or you know, if, when you're dealing with a lot of your family that you know well, you say, you know, are you doing okay? And they say, I'm fine. That means they're fine. But not so much sometimes. When you're talking to your wife and you say, are you okay? And she says, I'm fine. That doesn't always mean that she's fine. And so she's not fine, and I'm shutting down, so it made it hard, right? Uh, also, money was a big deal, like it is with every, with every marriage. She, she, in her checking account, if it had $300 in the account, that's a zero balance for her. She never dipped below $300 in her checking account. Me, I never saw $300. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a charge account. I know I don't look like it now, but I had a charge account at a men's clothing store in, in where I lived, and it was $1,200 max, and I kept it maxed out. I would go in there, and by the top of the line, there were Pepe jeans. There were Ralph Lauren shirts. Yes. Yes, there were, there were all kind of top-end items back in the 90s that I wanted, and I had an account. And if I made $500 that week, I was $700 in the hole. Right? Because I would just charge and charge and charge and I would pay the minimums and, and all that. But she wasn't like that. I told and, him he could wear Walmart. Yeah, she said Walmart clothes were fine for me. Uh, and they are. But, 
but that was a process that you have to work through. And it's that meshing together of those different ideas and all of that kind of stuff. And if we would have, if we would have entered it with a different motive, with different values, maybe things would have been easier in that first year. I don't know. So, so take a lesson from us. Uh, do your value systems before you get married. Uh, also, year five was, was hard for us. Do you want to talk about year five? Um, in year five, we had Kylie. Um, she's, she's not the reason we had an issue, though. <laughs> she was perfect. Just want her to know that. Um, but after I had her, I had postpartum depression. It was tough. Um, I didn't know what to do. No one told me to go get counseling. No one encouraged me. No one said maybe you should get on some prescription drugs for this. I didn't know what to do. I was a miserable person. It was not pleasant to be around. Um, I didn't think anybody but me and, my, again, my mom knew what to do with Kylie. And at this point, my mom lived a few hours from us. So when people would come over, I would lock myself and Kylie in the bedroom, and I didn't want to see them. Um, I didn't think Robbie knew what he was doing. Really, I didn't know what I was doing either. But um, I just shut down. I didn't like anybody. I wasn't pleasant to be around. When I went back to work, the girls that I worked with for years were like, you're mean, and we don't want to talk to you. And I was like, good, because I don't like you anyways. Go away. Um, so I had a hard time and struggled with that and just had to kind of work through that, and it kind of went downhill from there for us. That's right. And, and postpartum is a real deal. I mean, that's a legit issue. But when, when, when we had Kylie, I had no idea that that was real. No idea. So I did not handle it well. I was a very selfish person. And, and, and I'll censor, but one of the main reasons why I got married was intimacy. Right? I mean, that was one of the goals. I knew that I could not be intimate with a lady and go to heaven unless I was married. Right? That was the only way God approved of it. So... I knew I had to get married. That's not the only reason why I got married. But intimacy was a big deal to me, and I was a very selfish person. And when she went through that, there was no intimacy, or not the way I wanted it, right? There was, there was none of that. And, and, and when she was going through that, I, I said some things I shouldn't have said. And I did some things I shouldn't have done because I, it's, no, it's no excuse. It's a reason, though. I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a real deal. And, and I was, like I said, I was so selfish. And so I did not handle it right. And because I didn't handle it right and because it was a real deal, I mean, it almost cost us our marriage. But, but the saving grace, obviously, was God. But she was very gracious toward me in that time. She had to forgive a lot of words that were said. She had to forgive a lot of actions that were taken, and it's because she did choose to forgive, and she she did choose to 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 just keep this thing going. We've been married now for 20, 25 years, so I very much appreciate that. But but along the rest of that time, it's not to say we never argue because we do, right? I don't shut down anymore. We actually argue with words, and and we we do what we need to do to hash it out, and and then we get to make up, and and it's all good, and it's all fun. But along the way, it's, it's not always been perfect. We needed moments in our marriage where we restarted, where we kind of reset who we were, where we kind of just take, uh, took a step back and say, look, let's just forgive each other for everything and let's move forward. Let's just don't worry about it. Let's just put this in the past and let's move forward. And I think we all need those moments. We all need those moments in our marriage where we can kind of reset where we can kind of just kind of start over, if you will, kind of forget some stuff and kind of let some stuff go and just kind of 
re-engage and, and do that. And, and, in the, and in the middle of that, uh, this December, I, I actually ran across a video, and it's called The Seven Keys to Unlocking Marital Success. It's by Dave and Ashley Willis. And if you've, and if you've not seen it, then I encourage you to Google that and go watch that video. It's, it's an amazing video. And, and, and when, I, when I ran across the title, I thought, okay, seven keys. There's always seven keys. There's always five points. There's always three this and all this to unlocking or to making it better, you know, and all that. But I, but I watched it. And what I found is that they were dealing with very real fundamental stuff that's in the marriage. And, and if you could take those things and begin to apply them to your marriage, they really will unlock success in your marriage. And I was just blown away. So when we had our first grow group in, in January with the married couples, I showed the video. And then we just had an open discussion about it. And then we encouraged each other to kind of take one or two of the points and kind of start implementing them into your marriage. And let's see what that looks like. And, and if you guys are interested in being a part of that group, it's a shameless plug, right? So if you guys are interested in being a part of that, on February the 27th, the last Saturday this month, from 6 to 8, right here in the sanctuary, we're going to be doing an, another grow group, but we're going to have a meal together. And at this meal, we're going to be able to, to tell our stories, if you will. Uh, we're going to talk about when, when we got engaged, what that was like uh, for, for me. And I'll kind of give a, a go ahead and let you know I did it awfully. Our engagement, I, I stuck this enormously priced ring on the end of a stuffed animal's tail. And, and driving, we pulled into the mall and I just handed her the stuffed animal. She had no idea that the ring was on there, and she started just to toss it, you know. I'm like, whoa, 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 look on its tail. And, and so she saw the ring, and we had a great moment. We're not even animal people. Why I put it on the end of a dog's tail and, and, and gave that to her, I don't know why that was me in the middle of Quintard Mall parking lot, but, but that's what we did. And, and so we want to share our stories, and we want to talk about the wedding day, and then we want to bring a picture of our wedding day, right? Because we got married in 1996, and in 1996, we were popping. I mean, we, we had it going on in 1996, but when you look at that picture now, that fashion has long died. Those colors have long gone uh, from any type of normalcy. So we want to laugh at those, right? We want to we wanna share our stories. So if, you ain't, if you're married and you ain't got nothing else to do on a Saturday night, then uh, February 27th, we just ask you to come on out and join us. We're going to have a really good time. But, so on to the more important things. I want to I kind of dive in a little bit. We won't take long to these seven keys that were brought up in this video that I saw. Because as we begin this new series, I thought it'd be great to kind of just start with foundation. To kind of lay a new foundation. So, so the first key that, that we're going to talk about today is, is this. Make communication a daily priority. To make communication a daily priority. And this seems so simple. But it's stuff that we get so, so caught up in life and kids and work and everything else that we forget to communicate with one another. And when I say communicate, it's not quote unquote shop talk where you just come in and say, oh, how are you? I'm good. You have a good day? Yeah. Okay, what's next? We got we to gotta do the dishes. We got to prepare food. We got to get the kids ready. We got we to gotta go to the ball game. We got to do all that. But to actually just stop and talk, how, how was your day? It was bad. Well, why? 
you know, and actually have a very real conversation about that. That was one of the things that I took away from that. What was, what was yours on that point? Um, just be transparent. Um, use your words. I know all of us ladies do just say, oh, we're fine. And we, really, we're mad when we say we're fine. Um, and just tell them how you're feeling. Talk about it. And uh, don't slam things around and think that that's going to tell him something. I also have a bad problem with my face. Um, I, you can just tell on my face what I'm feeling. And he can usually read that, so that's not good. And then he has to be like, okay, look, I can tell what is wrong with you. But just tell and talk about it and encourage one another. Maybe you can help each other work through whatever went wrong that day. That's right. That's right. Uh, the, next, the next key um, is give each other your best, not your leftovers. And, and he made a really cool point in the video. He says, you know, we, we spend an awful lot of our time opening doors for strangers, being polite to strangers. You know, showing a lot of grace to strangers. Uh, maybe not so much while you're driving, but face-to-face, -face, we show a lot of grace to, to, to strangers. But when we get home, sometimes we're the rudest to those that we're the closest to. And that's crazy. That's crazy. You know, I, I'm not saying we need to flip it around and be rude to everybody else, but I'm saying save some of that. For when you get home, you know, this is the one that I love the most than anything in the world. That's the one I should give my best to, not just things that I have left over at the end of a long day. Well, do you have something on that one? Yeah, um, I feel like, until this, I felt like if I've had a bad day, he loves me regardlessly, so I can just come home and be mean. You know, look, I'm done. I've had enough. Uh, these people are driving me crazy at work, and I can't do it. But really, that's not the way we should do it. We need to give our best now. Um, and even it doesn't matter if you're tired. Don't be mean. Um, you know, give them grace. Give them understanding and patience. And then just, you know, again, they can help you through it. Maybe talk, talk through it. That's right. Good, good, good point. Uh, the next thing is be each other's biggest encourager, not biggest critic. And as I was watching the video for the second time and, and kind of hearing him say that, a thought ran through my mind. You know, we see each other as a married couple at our best times and at our worst times. And just because you see them at their worst doesn't give you permission to focus on that. It doesn't. If, if at your core you're saying, look, this marriage is not centered around me, it's about them. When you see that worst, the first thing we need to do is pray. We can't fix each other. She can't fix me. I can't fix her. But God can. And God can. And, and he will do it. So the first thing when we see that those things that are the worst in each other is that we pray about it. And then you talk about it. And you work through those things. So that was, that was one of the things that really jumped out at me on when, when they did that point. And just be pro-marriage. Be for your marriage. Um, be, like you said, be each other's biggest encourager. And don't talk to your friend that's going to tell you, yeah, your husband is so stupid, you should leave him. That, that's not going to help anything. Um, you know, be, hang out with friends that are going to encourage you in your marriage, not the friends that are going to tear it down. And men, don't talk to a girl about your marriage, and women, don't talk to a man about your marriage. Talk to a woman or the man that you know is grounded in Christ that's going to give you biblical encouragement and facts to help you get through whatever situation you're going through. That's right. Good point. 
the, the next one is to continue uh, to pursue each other. Continue to pursue each other. And, and there's a lot of stuff that was in that, but, but I just want to encourage you guys. If, if, if you're in here and, and you're married or even if whatever group that you're in, that you're in this room, I encourage you to get the book called The Five Love Languages. Um, I don't know if you have that book. If you don't have it, I encourage you to get it. If you do have it, I encourage you to read it, okay? And if you have read it, I encourage you to apply it, right? We, that book talks about each other's intimacy and, and what that looks like for each other. And, and, and just being able to know what, what kind of builds her up and, 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 and makes her feel great is such a great tool to have in your tool your tool belt as a married couple. So I just encourage you, if you don't have the book, get it. If you got it, read it. And if you've already read it, then apply it. Um, yeah, do things for one another to keep them interested, attracted, excited, happy. Um, like you said, the love languages. Mine is acts of service. So if I come home and he's washed the dishes, I'm totally in love. And then... He's words of affirmation. So if I, you know, oh, thank you, that is the greatest thing. I appreciate it so much. You're so wonderful for washing the dishes. Then that builds him up. So, you know, just apply that, and it really helps. Yes, it does. Uh, the next point uh, is pray with and for each other daily. Pray with and for each other daily. Now, this is the one that I'm just going to be real that I struggle with. Um, I have a certain time that I've set aside every day for doing my devotional, and there's a certain time that I have for prayer, and in that moments of prayer, I'm really good at praying for her, really good about that, but what we struggle is we've never built a habit of praying with each other, that we've never developed that habit. Now, we say the blessing around the table together, right, and there are moments that, that, that I've asked her to pray for me and, and, and she's asked me to pray for her and we do that together. But on a, just, a, just a habit of, of getting in there and praying with each other, we, we have not done that. But, but one of the things that, that it will do, if you'll develop the habit of not just praying for each other but with each other in those moments when you're praying with each other, you, it, just, it just invites God to come right back into the middle of that marriage. Just just. Come and just be right back into the middle of that. So, so that's one of my, that was my takeaway. Um, and like you said, we're, we don't have a good habit of that. But when you do, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be a simple prayer. Um, and if you fail, try again. Um, and have the kind of marriage with this that makes your kids want to be married. Be that example for them. Don't be the example where they say, Dear Lord in heaven, never let me get married. <laughs> that's right. um, unless that's just a desire that they don't want to be married. But try to be that example for them and, and let them be encouraged to see that you can be happy, you can work through problems. That's right. That's great. Uh, the next point uh, is keep dreaming new dreams and making new memories together. Keep dreaming new dreams and making new memories together. Um, one of the things that was really important that, that I got from the video that we watched was that sometimes our marriages get in a rut. Uh, kind of start kind of spinning the wheels. You get caught up in jobs. You get caught up in kids. And you kind of get caught up in just normalcy of life. And it just kind of feels like sometimes you're spinning your wheels. Well, when you find yourself doing that, go do something together. Go, go make a new memory together or, or, or start just talking about your dreams and all that. You know, we talked about at the beginning how, how girls are really good about planning that wedding day. 
I mean, they'll get the colors. They'll even tell the men what to wear. I mean, they just have it all planned out. But we do a really bad job at planning out the rest of it. That day is on point. But what about five years from now or 10 years from now, 20 years, 30 years from now? What do we want us as a married couple to look like? Um, and so just encourage you to, to keep dreaming and to keep uh, making new memories together. Yeah, I feel like we kind of had a plan at the beginning. We know five years, we're going to have a baby. We did that. Then we bought a house, and then we moved to Georgia, and we bought a house here, and then we moved again, and kind of just feel like for the past five years, we've been in a lull um, in just a stale place. But the past two years, I feel like we have made changes, and we're moving forward, and we don't have any secrets from each other. There's nothing that we don't know. And we've made our dreams together. I know, and I got in trouble first service because I said this, but I know one day he wants to live at the beach, you know. Um, but so I know that's his dream. It's not our reality right now, but, but maybe one day. So just, you know, talk about what your dreams are and make a plan. I think it's really hurt us where we haven't made a plan in our life before, but it keeps us on track and to know what we want to do. That's right. And now that is recorded. So she said, maybe one day we can go. So we finally got a maybe, Kylie. We finally got a maybe. So there we go. Um, the, um, the last uh, key is to never give up on each other, to never give up on each other. You know, your marriage is not about feelings. It's about commitment. Um, you'll go through a lot of feelings in your marriage. You'll have ups and downs. Um, you'll deal with serious issues like postpartum and, and just all kind of stuff that go on. And if you built your marriage off of feelings, then it's not going to last. You got to remember you're committed to one another. And, and in year five, when, when we were having our issues and, and all of that, and I was being very selfish, um, I had a, a friend of mine pull me aside. And he said, Robbie, do you, because I was unloading on him how, how bad the marriage was and how things were gotten. And he said, do you even want to be married anymore? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be married. I meant, it, I can't be intimate without being married and still go to heaven. Yes, I want to be married. Uh, we had just had a beautiful baby daughter, and she's perfect. I want to be married. And, and, I, and I was one of those guys. I mean, I always wanted to be married. And, and he said, well, do you want to be married to her? And that's a different question. And, and that kind of shook my, my thoughts. It's like, yeah, I do want to be married to her. Yes, I do love her. She's, she's the most important thing in my life. And it just kind of refocused me and, and kind of brought my commitment, not my feelings, but my commitment back to what they should have been. And, and, and that was the commitment I made before God to her. So I was so glad that that guy just said, look, and just pull me inside and just ask those two simple questions that made me think. Just, yeah, never give up, no matter what. It's worth it. Um, I feel like even though we struggled those two years, it's made us have a better marriage. I mean, of course, we still have problems, but I feel like we have a, a really good marriage now and a firm foundation, and we know how to work through things and talk to one another and it's just been really great these past few years, I feel like. Yeah, we've, we, we've really come a long ways in, in 25 years. So if Pastor and Corey will go ahead and come on up. I want to read 
uh, one more scripture, and I want, I want to show a video, but y'all can come on up. Um, the scripture I want to read is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. And this is another one of those scriptures where we don't really necessarily pertain it to marriage, but it so is. And if you'll allow me the freedom, I want to interject where marriage sits in these scriptures. It says this, always be humble and gentle in your marriage. Always be humble and gentle in your marriage. Be patient with each other in your marriage. Be patient with each other in your marriage. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love in your marriage. Make allowances for those faults. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit in your marriage. Binding yourselves together with peace in your marriage. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.